Hello and welcome to another episode of the Water Podcast. My name is Wendy Lesishi. And I'm George Mini, and today we're going to talk about the easy, easiest to drive cars. Today we're doing things a little bit differently. Um, we've had uh, a few COVID instances in the office, so we decided to do the show from home. Um, and, uh, and so yeah. when you're not used to COVID, right, Wendy, you uh, scramble to set no. equipment. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a, you know, a struggle to kind of get back into the swing of, of virtual life again. Um, but, you know, we've, we've done this before, so I think it's going to be okay. Um, yeah. I haven't been, we, this is the first time we're doing a show in two weeks. So it's been a while since I've even seen your face. Oh my goodness. About cars yes, together, we were at yeah. uh, I was traveling. We were at another show in Cape Town. Uh, it's been a bit. Yeah. Um, it has been. And something that was interesting in the last two weeks is I got to actually see the Formula E race live, um, in Cape Town, which is really cool. But we'll talk yeah. about that a bit later when, once we get Boxing. into the F1 sort of. Yeah, I had a little bit of a, a box seat that so was it was quite interesting and uh, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan. I think it's it, it really gave me some perspective with regards to just how powerful. I mean, the cars are like six times more powerful than a road car, a road EV car. So they're louder and, and more and 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 a lot more exciting than people think they are. So in relation to that, in, in relation to an actual Formula One car, how powerful are they? Mm. Not as not as powerful. Um, yeah. not as powerful. I mean, the laps. I mean, the, I mean, top speed. If you talk about top speed, for instance, it's about 300 k's, 320 k's. You'll you'll see these EVs go. Um, whereas an F1 car goes about 330. But the big difference is the consistency. Obviously, the the F1 cars can go 70 laps, whereas these cars can go about 30 minutes, 45 minutes a race. So that's the big issue, and that's just a battery issue. But in terms of sheer performance, um, they they're still extremely extremely quick. Um, um, so you know, kind of sees their own. In my opinion, and acceleration. I wonder which one's quicker. I would be interested to know. I don't know if off the top of my head. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to say that the EVs are faster, but I mean, F1 cars are also really quick off the line. So, so I just Google it. What's quicker, F1, Formula E or F1? So ultimately, Formula One is faster than Formula E, which is expected. Yeah, because that's new. Uh, even although Formula E mm. cars are kitted with highly engineered parts, so there are plenty of improvements that need to happen. So I suppose it's because it's the beginning. Uh, 100%. You know, so uh, in comparison between Formula E and Formula One, speeds show that the latest generation all-electric racers have a maximum speed of 280 against a top speed of 300 for their traditional counterparts. Isn't that wrong? Isn't it 300 now as well? It yeah, it is. About 300 and, yeah, it's plus th- 300 case and even f1 causes it's not 300 it's about 330 so so i mean the newest all in formula e race cars reach maximum speeds of 280 compared to the two 397 for a formula one car so even at 300 it's it's slower compared yeah, so no. so years 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 i think the uh uh the test comparing the rate of acceleration formula e can go from zero to 100 in 2.8 seconds uh, what is a Formula One car? Uh, a lot faster than that. <laughs> think. Uh, so yeah, <clears throat> I'm Super pretty sure. F1 just pips them, reaching mm-hmm. the same speed at 2.6 seconds. So Formula One cars are still slightly yeah. faster at 2.6 seconds. Yeah. But what I can't. But it's really exciting. It's no. still really exciting. I think. I think it's important to, <laughs> to know that. 
There is a TV pro- doesn't it doesn't do it justice. There is a production car that can go from zero to hundred faster than this. There's many production cars that go zero to hundred faster than that. No, so you know, there's a few. Bugatti does it in two point three seconds. Um, um, well, I mean, okay. the Tesla does it one point nine faster than faster than two point six. But the fastest production car is the Tesla Plaid at one point nine seconds. Mm, one point nine, yeah. Uh, and that's what I'm referring yeah. to. There's, mm. you know, the Bugatti is the only other one really that I know of. No, there's one or two others. Um, but I mean, that's, as soon as you start touching 2.5, it's, it's borderline impossible without some sort of additional insane amounts of power or some sort of hybrid, uh, solution. Um, or else you're just going fully battery electric is, you know, the, the only way you'll ever get those speeds. I mean, the new Rimac Nevera, which is coming out, is also about 1.9. And that's fully electric, and it's got one of the biggest engines. So even for Tesla to hit those speeds now is, it's insane, um, to say the least. It's just thing. <clears throat> anyway, we're not here to talk about Formula One and Formula E. We're talking about <laughs> Every time. Tough cars. So, uh, so, so, <laughs> what, uh, what is an easy to drive car? And, um, yeah, so I think a few, a few things make a car easy to drive. I think off the top of your head, it's just the ease of sort of driving. So, um, steering wheel, there's, there's aids now that make driving a lot easier, such as power steering, those sort of things. So creature comforts that make the car a little bit easier to kind of drive ultimately. But there's other things such as comfort, comfortability, you know, sort of, um, how comfortable it is as well as, you know, the ride heights that'll make it easier. So there's a few things, but it is kind of subjective, you know, sort of question. What, what, according to you, what makes a car easy to drive? Yeah, I mean, I drive the, 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 the Jaguar I-Pace, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. what makes it easy to drive? I think the self-driving technology, um, mm-hmm. which in my Jaguar I-Pace is better than most ICE vehicles, but still not top of the range in terms of self-driving. It's still level two. It's still driver assistance rather than self-driving itself. But it does make my life a whole bunch easier. Um, and then another easy to drive thing is there's no gear changing. So yeah, you know, when you want to when you want to overtake, accelerate, you you know, and 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 pe- people listening to this are going to say, oh, but cars are automatic. No, they're not. Okay, they're automatic yeah. for the human. They're not automatic for the car. The car still has to yeah. change gears, um, yeah. and that gearing down to accelerate. Is, has a momentary lapse of, of power, um, to get the thing into the rev range. Whereas with an electric car, it's just easy. You put your foot down and the power is there. Also, brake, yeah. electric car makes braking easier because you take your foot off the accelerator and it immediately begins to brake. Now, so would you say that, but it's stupid to switch it off. Yeah. Would you say that the kind of the, the final, sort of boss level of easy cars to drive would be self-driving autonomous cars. You think that's kind of where we are going to eventually come to a point where like it can't get any easier now because now they're just doing, they're driving themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think the, 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 the ultimate ease of driving is when you're not driving. Mm, 100%. Like the less you have to do in the car, the easier it becomes. That's for me, that's the ultimate thing. Yeah. I, I have one problem with that. I think you're not driving anymore. So, like, yeah. that's my biggest problem with, with, like, autonomy is it's no more driving. 
Um, right. And I think there are, there are, exactly, you're just riding at that point. <laughs> but there are cars right now which have driver aids, which, you know, kind of gotten to, we've gotten us to a point where we borderline not doing much. Um, driving is, is more so just making sure the car doesn't crash, um, yeah. and being aware of the surroundings. Yeah. Um, and there is kind of a science to this. There have been a few companies such as Consumer Reports, which have, uh, done surveys and asked, you know, thousands of different people or sample of over a thousand people, which cars are the easiest to drive to them. And they're based off a few things, um, such as reliability, ease of access, comforts, driving positions, how easy it is to kind of read all the information in the vehicle, controls, visibility, interior, and then uh, basically how smooth the ride is. And based on that, they have nine easiest cars to drive. Um, do you want to take a guess what those cars are? Mm. I mean, I would imagine that the easiest car to drive is going to be an electric. Um, because if mm. I just look at that list you went through, um, most reliable, right? Okay. Fair enough. Uh, most cars are mm. most reliable now, unless you, you know, got a car that is very old and clapped out. Most cars are reliable. Easy to <laughs> clapped access. out. Uh, yeah. I mean, easy to access can be ice or EV. Easy to access. I suppose. Mm. The, the gullwing doors of the, of the DeLorean and the Model X, uh, mm. Tesla, those would mm. be the easiest to access. I would say, mm. um, even the Rolls Royce with the, um, suicide doors, mm. easy access. 100%. Other than that, every other car is same access. Hardest mm. cars to get into are two door cars. I don't know if you've ever tried to get yeah, into Yeah. I mean, I, I drive a two door car, so. Oh, <laughs> I would I say it's difficult to get into. Um, it's you, difficult to get not, into the back seats. Yeah, it's difficult to get in the back, but, but the doors are long. Have you parked in a tight parking spot? Exactly. Get out of your car. I have. I'm in my garage. It's it's always you know I always have to watch out just a little bit just so I don't kind of chip chip you know kind of the no. doors. Um, cause the doors are a bit longer and I think it's, it's more difficult to, if you have passengers, it becomes a nightmare getting yeah. them in and out quickly at least. So easy access. Um, but they are, I mean, there are going car doors such as the Mercedes Benz SLS, but that's a supercar. Um, but it's different and, again because know, it's just really even low, with the going kind of difference. It's very low. Mm. So you've got to almost like exactly hold onto the car to drop yourself into the seat. That that yeah, makes, that kind of turns the easy access on its head uh, a little mm. bit. I mean, if you look at this list, what I think, or there's a body type I think has the full package of a body. Ease. A body type is in a car body type, not a person body type. A car. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sorry, I'm just in the zone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you get a body type in a human as well as a body type in a car. I was, I thought you were referring to the body oh, in a human. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose no, no, I did. Like a body type in a human that just doesn't fit the body type of the car. I think George, and, and I think in and out. let's not go into that. No, no, but I mean, like a, a big, big rugby player, for instance, body type. I'm not offending the rugby fans. Like a big rugby player, try and put him yeah. in a Kia Picanto or, you know, that body type 100%. just ain't going to work. 100%. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, for, for, for purpose. Like your mind went to the body types that <laughs> not mine. I'm talking about rugby players. It did. <laughs> I'm talking about me too. Let me just me too. Uh, but anyways, the car body type. I'm sorry, I should be more specific there. The car body type I think 
kind of ticks all these boxes is, is SUVs. Um, and we see that in the numbers in terms it's because of, of the ride being sold the most in popularity. Ride heights in a, in a, in a, in a SUV, the, usually the numbers, not the numbers, but the buttons are also a lot clunkier or bigger or chunkier rather. Um, but the driving position is also better. It's, it's, you know, there's so many boxes that they tick, um, including just ease of use depending on the terrain that I think they're kind of unmatched. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I agree with this one on the list, uncomplicated controls. Physical knobs and buttons tend to make more sense than fussy digital menus. I don't think that, like, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that because, um, my iPace has got less physical buttons. It's got some, but it's got less physical mm-hmm. buttons. And over the last 18 months, I've gotten very familiar with where things mm-hmm. are in the digital screens. So, you know, it, it's really just a factor of, uh, getting used to the, the menu system. I, okay, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the other side of, I'm on the other camp. I, I completely agree with that simply because there's been in scenarios where I'll give you a great example. Let's use a Tesla. If you want to open the doors or the passenger door specifically, you have to go to the infotainment system to open the door. You can't just, you know, it's, it's small things like that, which take you away from the, and anything that's going to take you away from looking at the road, I think, is not a great use. If you're going to hide different buttons behind menus, it becomes a lot more difficult and, and less easy to drive. Um, yeah. I mean, and then, and then the next one is, uh, um, or sorry, the one before that quick read gauges, the speedometer, fuel gauge and other information displays are simple to read and understand. Uh, like I, again, I don't agree. <laughs> you don't need them. The only thing you need is, is a speedometer mm-hmm. and a map. Pretty much. Yeah. Other than that, you don't. Yeah. Anything. I, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that okay. one for sure. On my iPace, I've set up the digital screens to just be maps, and yeah. then on the bottom, I've got the the speed, and I've mm. got my range left. That's it. Those are the three pieces of information I want. I don't care about anything else. Mm. And, and also, I, I mean, now in cars, you can just quickly just swipe to the right or left. Besides that, the car should be intelligent enough to tell you when there's a problem, like. Okay, you're on a three-quarter tank of fuel. Bing, little notification like your phone. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, so why, we actually do you, why do you need all these gauges all over the place and all the information at your fingertips? Um, you know, I, I, I'm just not sure you need it. Like, concentrate on driving, not on looking at gauges. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So we asked the journalists, the World Trader journalists, um, what do they think the easiest cars are to drive? Um, do you want to take a guess with regards to what was the the consensus between the auditor and the journalists? Well, I mean, again, as I said in the beginning, I think it's an EV. Mm. So that was, well, two of the journalists, Sean and and specifically Chad, uh, kind of spotlighted, you know, EVs as the new de facto ease of drive. Um, and specifically, Chad just was recently in the BMW i7. I think we have a video of that. Um, but I mean, when you look at him in traffic, and I think we'll just put it up, um, when you see him in traffic driving the car, I mean, it's doing everything. It's low shedding traffic as well. And it's basically just doing everything that you, you, you want a car to do. All he's doing at that point is just making sure that it doesn't, you know, act funny. Um, yeah. but, but I agree with that. I think EVs are going to become, um, the easiest cars to drive just because of all the, the driver is that they, they come with. Well, I mean, let's uh, let's watch that video quickly of Chad. 
Another one of the amazing features in the BMW i7 is the assisted drive. Look more, no feet, no hands, and we're in a traffic jam. So it's gonna watch the lanes, it's gonna watch the vehicle in front of me, it's gonna bring me down to a stop, and as soon as the one in front of me pulls away, well, it's going to accelerate. It's not even asking me to put my hands on the wheel. Now that's cool. Suddenly load shedding traffic is a lot easier. Well, I mean, that's kind of like self-driving, right? Yeah. Um, I suppose, you yeah. know what the difference between that i7 and my iPace is? Is my iPace, when it, it, it also follows the car in front of it and keeps the mm. lane, right? So I mm. got the same, same experience as the BMW i7, except for one annoying difference. Mm. When, when the traffic comes to a complete stop, and I noticed this, this i7 doesn't have this problem. Um, when the traffic comes to a complete stop, my car um, engages the parking brake and says the car is held. You have to push the accelerator to go. Okay. Okay. And then once so, you touch, you just touch the accelerator and then it'll start the following process again. Um, I, I don't like that feature on the Jag. It's just annoying. Yeah. Um, you know, so I see the BMW i7 comes to a complete stop and then starts going again all by itself which is great. Oh, yes, and I didn't ask Chad to put his hands on the steering. Mine screams at me in 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So the Chad did actually note one limitation to specifically the i7. He says it's the size. Um, so if it's not driving itself, the size becomes a real problem because it's just so gigantic. Whereas Sean, he says basically any small EV, that's going to be the easiest car to drive. And I think that's kind of the difference there. Lance said the Corolla Cross Hybrid big popular car right now and then Tay said the Suki Solerio AMT and he just said because it's just everyday use really yeah. easy car to drive um, so I kind of agree with those um, and I think in future we'll see more and more cars just becoming easier and easier to drive we've seen it already so no surprise there awesome. moving on George we have obviously our Ask Auto Trader service where people send us some questions um and they <laughs> basically ask us to make the car shopping, um, buying and selling process a lot easier. So I've got three, three new questions for you this week and hopefully you can help, <laughs> help, um, the auto trader public kind of get answers. The first question is from anonymous who's asking, I'd like to apply for car finance, but don't have a license. Can I use my husband's license to apply for it? And the debit order will be on my account. Uh, I've got to sneeze. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's like four in a row. Um, um, so, so the, the, the quick answer to that question is, um, no, like, <laughs> yeah. um, anonymous. There's a reason why you put anonymous there is because instinctively you know that you can't yeah. do this. Um, there's no, bank and no finance or insurance company that is going to give you anything related to loans or insurance related to a vehicle on someone else's license. Mm. It's like, there's no debate about this. It's not the right thing to do. I wouldn't want a person on the road without a license, although there's plenty of them. So, so no. It's, it's a crime. So, uh, don't do it. <laughs> Basically, is the the short answer. They're, they're not going to get it. That's a simple answer. Hundred percent. Next question is from Yano, who's asked: Would it be possible for a dealer to buy a bucky that was repossessed back from the bank? Would it be possible for a dealer to buy a bucky mm -hmm. repossessed back from the bank? 
Um, repossessed vehicles. So, so, so let, let's put it this way: banks are not in the business of owning cars. That's not mm-hmm. what they do. Banks are in the business of taking deposits and lending money. That's that's their that's their sole function, right? So banks are not really good at owning cars, and they don't want to own cars. They don't want to take your yeah. car back. They don't want to repossess it. It's yeah. like it's not what they want to do. They don't look for a reason to repossess it. So in saying that, um, banks, the moment they have to repossess a car, because that's the only time they do is when they have to. The moment they have to repossess a car, they will try and find the easiest, most convenient, least risky, least loss-making opportunity to sell that car, right? And most of the time, um, it goes to an auction and gets offloaded in an auction process, which um, it has to be. Um, and that's where dealers go to buy these cars. So uh, so the answer is yes, it will more than likely end up in the hands of a car dealer at those auctions. Okay, 100%. And then the last question comes from R. Jonga, who's asked, what is the value of my car? Uh, well, that's quite easy, uh, Yonka. Um, just go to autotrader.co.za forward slash value dash my dash car, value my car. Or we'll just go onto Autotrader's website and uh, in the top menu, you can, you can see there is a uh, item. Let me just uh, under... The main menu next to sell my car, it says value my car. And you go on to value my car and uh, you can go and get a valuation on your car um, under that menu. Yeah. Fortunate um, that Auto Trader sees uh, 80 million pages a month opened um, and, uh, and we, uh, we, you know, we received 11, 12 million visits a month. Uh, there are millions, 25, 25-odd million adverts opened every single month. And uh, and we've got more than 80,000 vehicles for sale. We see listings weigh more than 80,000 because cars turn faster than the number of listings on our platform. Um, and, uh, and as a result of that, we have live market data in order to give you a really, really accurate valuation and our algorithms and uh, machine learning um, take into account uh, trends, uh, depreciation um, of the values themselves and uh, you shouldn't go wrong uh, by going to value my car uh, and getting value for, for your car. So go on to today and go value my car at the top menu. Go find out what the value is. 100%. And we're pretty much out of time. But before I leave you, George, the F1 season has come back. Um, and obviously, we've had the first race. Do you have any sort of high-level thoughts on what you've seen so far? Um, You know what? I feel like putting on a green jersey. Not box. <laughs> Yep, for Aston Martin. Or Aston Martin. <laughs> I am rooting for them this year. I think I am an Aston Martin fan. Um, and I thought about this because I said at the end okay. of last year I was going to potentially, you know, switch sides. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, 
And, and I just think Aston Martin has really, really come to the party. They've done the right things. They've hired the right guy. They couldn't have hired anyone mm-hmm. better than Fernando Alonso, I don't think. But with his experience, leadership, and all that stuff, uh, I reckon I'm rooting for. I mean, I still got my my my, my first love uh, Ferrari, but um, but sure. I'm rooting for Aston Martin this year. I hope that Alonso wins that championship. Let's see what happens. I think I have some thoughts, but we are out of time. Um, so unfortunately, this week we won't be able to get into it. But next week, hopefully, we do. Thank you so much for your time, George. I'll see you next time.